Today, Jesus tells us a parable that has overtones about social justice. It's about a widow and a judge. In Jewish society, a widow is at the mercy of the community. Her husband's property would go to her husband's family, not to her. Time and again, the Old Testament prophets railed against leaders who failed to care for widows and orphans. One of a Jewish judge's main responsibilities was to make sure that widows were treated fairly. Luke talks about widows a lot throughout his gospel. When the infant Jesus is presented in the temple, Anna, the widow prophetess, is there. At the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus speaks of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Jesus intercedes for the widow of Nain. He praises the widow who contributes two coins to the temple. Since Joseph is not mentioned after chapter 3, we can presume that Mary herself was a widow during Jesus' adult life. Luke also wrote the Acts of the Apostles. In that book, he tells us that the church first commissioned deacons to make sure that the community cared for both the Jewish widows and the Greek widows. But our other scripture selections today invite us to look at the parable from another angle. Second Timothy urges us to remain faithful to what we believe. Exodus tells us how Moses was able to keep his arms raised all day long during an important battle. The main point of the gospel today is about persistence in prayer. This is not the first time that Jesus has instructed us in the Gospel of Luke to be persistent in our prayer. Seven chapters ago, he asked, What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? Or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Likewise, we could paraphrase today's gospel. If a corrupt judge who has no regard for justice rules in favor of a persistent widow, how much more will the father speedily render justice to those who cry out to him? And yet there are times in our lives when it seems as if God isn't answering our prayers. It's frustrating. Why should we keep praying if we're not getting what we want? Every Sunday in the graduate students and young professionals group, we study the next week's gospel passage. I went into last weekend's gathering confident that I would have some wisdom to offer about the life of prayer. The group put me to shame. They had a spirited, insightful, and profound discussion on prayer in which I contributed the most by keeping my mouth shut for long periods of time. Why does it sometimes seem as if God chooses not to answer our prayers? One student shared something he had heard before. God only has three answers to our prayers. Yes, not yet, or I have something better planned for you. Maybe God doesn't say yes to our prayers because we've been asking for a snake or a scorpion when a fish or an egg would better meet our deepest desires. In my own life, I've come to recognize that perhaps I'm not the best judge of what I need. Some days I'm able to pray as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, God, but yours be done. Most days, I'm not holy enough to completely detach myself from the outcome I desire. 
but I still try to give God options on how to answer my prayers. For example, I no longer pray that I will hit the Powerball jackpot. I just pray that the Holy Spirit will provide the Paulist fathers with a way to resolve their financial difficulties in caring for our older brothers. So, if any of you have an extra $40 million that you don't know what to do with, you may be the answer to our prayers. You can laugh there. But there's something else about prayer in today's gospel passage. Did you catch that seeming throwaway line at the beginning? Quote, Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. Now, some of you may be crowing at this apparent contradiction to what I preached last week when I advised people to pray for five minutes at the same time every day. Ha! That sure doesn't sound like praying always. Of course, five minutes of dedicated prayer time every day is not the equivalent of praying always. But what does it really mean to pray always? Probably not what a lot of us first imagine. If we prayed 23 and a half hours a day, would we be falling short of what Jesus asked of us? There are many things that we need to do every day, to eat, to sleep, and to exercise, to name a few. Surely God wants us to do these things. He probably doesn't have a problem with us working, studying, and caring for our family and friends either. Many of us need to broaden our idea of what we consider to be prayer. When the RCIA team gathered this summer to plan the upcoming year, Paul Bricado strongly advocated us discussing one specific idea about prayer right up front, something called the ACTS method of prayer. That's the letters A-C-T-S, an acronym, ACTS. Even if you haven't heard of it, it's a fairly basic concept. In fact, it's listed on the inside front cover of Christian prayers for dummies. ACTS is used here as an acronym for four basic ways to pray. The A is for adoration, giving praise and honor to God. The C is for confession, acknowledging our failings to God. The T is for thanksgiving, expressing our gratitude to God, as we discussed with last week's gospel passage. The S is for supplication, making our needs known to God. All four ways of praying are essential and important, but so many Christians equate the word prayer only with supplication. For so many of us, when we hear pray always, we think that means at every moment you should be verbalizing your needs to God. No, prayer is so much more than that. Let's definitely give a few minutes of our day to supplication. And let's give a few minutes of our day to confession. Next week's gospel passage includes a classic prayer of confession. But let's strive to live every moment of our lives with an attitude of adoration and thanksgiving. As I suggested last week, if you're new to the life of prayer, start with five dedicated minutes a day expressing your thanksgiving to God. With practice, our prayer will become as easy as breathing. Do I pray always? No, but I'm making progress. 
On many days, when I pull back the curtains in the morning, I rejoice in God's creation. When I'm at the gym, I thank God for my health and marvel at all the complexities of the human body. When I'm rushing down I-275 and I see the sun sphere, I give thanks for living in the city of Knoxville, and I pray for the city's leaders and for its poorest residents. When I process down the aisle at Sunday Mass, I revel in the privilege of journeying with all of you. When I go to bed, I thank God for my day. G.K. Chesterton wrote something that might be helpful for all of us. He wrote, You say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the play and the opera and grace before the concert and pantomime, and grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. St. Francis of Assisi supposedly said, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Let us pray at all times. If necessary, Let us use words.